Blaze On Demand. This is Ben Weingarten of The Blaze Books, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Ann Coulter, 10-time New York Times bestselling author, including most recently author of the book, Never Trust a Liberal Over Three, Especially a Republican. Anne's new provocative book, which predictably has already caused quite a stir, is the subtly titled Adios America, the left's plan to turn our country into a third world hellhole. Anne, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And Anne, I was going to ask you for a hug, but we're doing this remotely. So. <laughs> I, I must say, I remember one of these, you tell me you went to Columbia, I remember what something similar at Columbia. I spoke there, I guess, before you got there. Um, and this was actually from an alleged, you know, friendly conservative in the audience. But, you know, it's called question and answer because it's question and answer. It's not time for people to give speeches or put on performance art pieces. And some conservative at this Columbia speech stood up and he starts, like, taking over and wanting to take a poll from the audience. And I said, you know... Settle down, Skippy. This is question and answer. Sit back down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Socratic method doesn't apply at Columbia. (laughs) Well, it's more the general concept of question and answer. (laughs) And question with boldness. Uh, (laughs) So so the, the first question I wanted to ask you is, it seems to me that the real story about this book is from your opponents, which is that there's outrage over a book that documents that third world immigrants, if we can still use that term, are disproportionately responsible for crime and contribute significantly less economically than native born Americans. And that thus we should stop importing mass amounts of third world immigrants into America. And also that the American people are basically an afterthought in this equation from a political perspective. What say you? Yes. And I would say even worse than that is is the media's, um, and they are well-trained in this, but they are, their absolute commitment to not allowing Americans to think about immigration. It's more ignoring me in my book, um, refusing to debate me on my book. I, I mean, I asked Hannity, for example, and many others, Washington Speakers Bureau, Breitbart, they'll sponsor a debate. I've given them a list of um, and, you know, other people can come up with their own favorite lists of mass immigration proponents, um, who I see on TV and being quoted in the newspapers and magazines all the time, um, telling us how fabulous immigration reform, as they say, is going to be, amnesty. Um, why, won't they, why, why won't they be on the same set with me? They will call me a racist if they need to, but they'd really just prefer not to have Americans think about immigration at all, and it's a hard thing to describe because I can't think of any other issue that's like this. As I say at the beginning of the book, liberals love abortion, gay marriage, hated the Iraq War, but you could believe in global warming. You could get both sides on all of those issues. You don't get both sides on the immigration debate. It is not on the menu. This is not going to be part of today's discussion, this week's discussion, this year's discussion. So Americans, especially Americans who aren't aren't in uh, the chattering class. They have jobs, they're busy, they, they'll develop a position on gay marriage because they have to, they'll have a position on abortion, on the Iraq war, on what happened in Ferguson, but most of the time it doesn't even occur to them to have a position on immigration other than, well, I know anyone who is not for immigration must be a mean person, and that's about the extent of it. But the facts I bring forth in this book, um, even to some some immigration um, experts, I think, are pretty shocking, 
And, and I mean, just little things. I ran a bunch of them in my column last week. The fact that we've brought in more Ethiopians than English people since 1970. There were almost, or more Nigerians, rather, although I'm sure it's true of Ethiopians, too. There were almost no Nigerians in this country in 1970. Now we have more Nigerians than any country in the world other than Nigeria. Um, did Americans vote on this policy? It doesn't even occur to people that immigration policy like all other government policies, should be designed and implemented in order to benefit the people already living here. And that does include recent immigrants who aren't being helped by the continuous dump of more and more third world cultures on the country. Um, we're, we're like a sports team. We don't, you, you don't have the New England Patriots saying, um, well, our team is full next year. We're not having tryouts because we've got to take Tom Brady's cousin and his brother-in-law, um, and he has a younger, a, 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 a younger cousin who's, con who's about the right age. Um, yeah, we're, we're stuck with them. Oh, well. But that is our family re reunification policy. The first person gets in, and then the whole village comes in. So chronicle, if you would, the 1965 legislation passed through by Teddy Kennedy, and then something that I think is lesser known, Justice Brennan's stance, which ultimately led to anchor babies and all the concomitant issues around that. Yes, yes. Well, um, Teddy Kennedy's 1965 act has been written about extensively. Um, I cover it briefly here. Um, and, and it was billed as, uh, um, we were just going to reform our immigration laws and it would be merit. It would be, we'd, we'd be letting in immigrants based on merit. And everyone involved pushing that bill, much like with Obamacare, lied and lied and lied. They swore up and down. It will not change the demographic mix of, of this country. It'll stay about the same. The Washington Post said this. Robert Kennedy, Teddy Kennedy, um, um, Congressman Emanuel Seller, they swore up and down. No, no, no. It will not change the general ethnic mix of this country. Um, but, but, but then when it does, and dramatically, about 90% of the immigrants every year, not only have the numbers gone up astronomically, but about 90% are not from the traditional countries that populated America, um, not entirely as, as immigrants. Many, many Americans come from settlers, not immigrants. Um, who created America. Um, and when we look up and say, wait a second, you have massively changed the demographics of this country and we don't like what you've done, they turn around and say, oh, that's racist. Well, then why wasn't it racist for you to promise that it wouldn't change the demographics of the country? Um, and in any event, it's, it's certainly not racist who gets hurt the most by these policies. It is, it is the ones who are competing for low-wage workers for jobs. It's, it's African-Americans, which is why um, civil rights leaders and African-American leaders have traditionally been opposed to, to this low-wage, low-skilled immigration that's pouring into the country. And Justice Brennan's footnote, I mean, I think most Americans are astonished by this. They're browbeaten so often into, well, of course, anyone born in America is automatically a citizen. Uh, why would any country do that? No other country, there may be, I don't think any other country in the world does that, where you're just automatically a citizen because you happen to plop out, have been plopped out on, on American soil. Um, that was never the law. It is certainly not in the Constitution. It was slipped into a footnote of an opinion written by William Brennan, Justice, Supreme Court Justice William Brennan, in 1982. He slipped it in. Um, it wasn't a secret trap door um, the framers of the 14th Amendment put in the Constitution for us. 
And not only does the language of, of the amendment, referring to the, the states in which people reside, um, seem to contradict the theory that an illegal alien or a legal alien can, can, can get citizenship through this game of tag or Red Rover um, with Border Patrol. Ha, ha, ha. I, I dropped out a baby. Now you can't get me. I, it's a child's game. This, the, the gift of American citizenship completely out of Americans' hands. Not only does the text of the amendment not say that, but what was, can we go back to the history of the 14th Amendment? It's hard to get an amendment inserted into the Constitution. I mean, I don't think it's been done in, in our lifetimes. Um, there has to be a big, mass public feeling about something to get an amendment added to a Constitution, and to our Constitution. And what was that big, mass feeling? Oh, yes, we had just fought the Civil War. Right. We had just fought a civil war. 600,000 Americans died to redeem the principle that, that, that all men are created equal. And, and still you had these Democrats from the Confederate states refusing to treat freed blacks as citizens. That's why the 14th Amendment was put in. It refers to black Americans. But like everything else with immigration, um, liberals and immigrants came along and said, uh, you know, that, sorry, sorry, sorry African Americans, we have an all-new agenda for civil rights and it doesn't include you. I also think it's important to put a fine point on the fact that at least the rhetoric in the 60s was about merit when it comes to evaluating immigrants. Now, I think if you were to raise the point of merit, that alone might be considered a racist term. Yes, yes. Yes, I've noticed it's the only way I quote um, IQ in the book is in quoting um, all the advocates for allegedly high-tech labor, the H-1B visas, and oh, these smart, smart, smart immigrants were bringing in from India and China. And I point out that it's a complete fraud. They just want computer programmers who are indentured servants because with an H-1B visa, you're not allowed to leave the company that brought you in. So, so they're doing the exact same low-level computer work that lots of Americans can do, but they can pay the H-1 visa uh, immigrants less because they don't have a choice. They can't go anyplace else. It's indentured servitude, going back to um, the Civil War, I might add, something that we did get rid of in a constitutional amendment. And now, you know, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Intel, they're bringing it back because they want the cheap labor. And since you mention, and I'd like to talk a little about Carlos Slim also, who's sort of like the George Soros of, of your book. Yes. Um, but but I, I did want to also point out that since, since you mentioned IQ, as I was reading through your book, I was thinking about Charles Murray and the bell curve and how he got tarred and feathered for what he said simply by stating facts without judgment. So in your book, you go through, you catalog a number of facts, dozens of facts, as you mentioned in your last column about what the impact has been of both legal and illegal immigrants in America since 1970. So tell us a few facts that were paradigm shifting for you and that you found kind of outrageous or shocking. The massive amounts of child rape, child rape, gang rape, incest rape, um, and particularly for, for an American. I mean, American women are about to realize American men were the best they ever had it. 
uh, as I say in the book, even continental Europeans can't compete. Um, in in, in de, de Tocqueville, writing about America, he commented on, on how women are treated with such respect and honor, and no crime is visited with greater severity of sanction than rape in, in this new country of America, um, contrasting America's treatment of rape so severely unfavorable with that in France. Um, meanwhile, I mean, part of the reason I concentrated on it is they're just kind of, you know, arresting, <laughs> keep you up all night stories. Yeah, they're brutal to but read. <laughs> they are brutal, but also we have just lived through, you know, the last four or five years of the media seeming to put on this conceptual art piece, uh, trying to persuade Americans that, that you know, white American bi- men, huge gang rapists, and fraternities, lacrosse teams, the military, and one after another, all of them turn out to be hoaxes. But at the very same time, this same media is hiding shocking cases of, of gang rape, child rape, incest rape, concubinage, um, that that Indian in in San Francisco, Valley Ready, Locky Ready, um, importing twelve year old girls from India whom he had bought from their parents for sex, and that story. I mean, for one thing, when I came across it, I I it wasn't broken by the media; it was broken by a high school journalism class. It's it's. Uh, 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 I think, quite a breathtaking story, and I ask a lot of my friends about it who follow the news pretty closely, some of them more closely than I do. The fact that none of them knew about that case, that, that tells you, that story by itself tells you how the media is in an overdrive to hide the downside of mass immigration from the third world. We will hear about every immigrant who wins a spelling bee, but we will not hear about the massive uptick in child rape, gang rape, incest rape, drunk driving, the trashing of our national parks, pesticides being dumped within a few miles of the world's tallest tree. Um, peasant cultures don't have, don't have a lot of respect for the environment. They have no concept of litter. Um, they're in the slash, Mexico is farther along than many of the peasant cultures are bringing in, and Mexico is still in the slash and burn stages of capitalism. And, and of course, you raise this double standard and a bias in whether or not a story is covered, what stories are covered, and then even if it is a story that involves an illegal immigrant or even a legal immigrant, the fact that you will never hear a newspaper or a TV source actually talk about what the racial and ethnic background of the person is. But I think it goes to something even deeper, which is that the left believes in moral relativism, that we're all equal, yet it seems like they favor certain immigrants, in particular, I would argue, Latino and Muslim immigrants over yeah. everyone else. What do you think of that? Yes, they're the ones engaging in discrimination against the countries. The, the traditional immigrant source countries. It's almost impossible to immigrate here from the first world. Um, I mean, uh, heavily because of this family reunification. How do we end up with 100,000 Somalis in Minnesota? It is madness. It's madness. And the country never used to behave this way. Um, it's not our job to go seeking out the poorest of the poor, the most, uh, most backward of the backward, who don't speak English and will immediately go on welfare. What kind of country would do that? It makes no sense. We are not in a charity mission. And I'd also add at this juncture that most of the most, most of the uh, 
um, avid proponents of continuing this third world immigration are the exact same people who 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 tell us that America is racist, sexist. Have you, have you heard about the war on women? We're a crazed cowboy ca- um, gun culture. We're imperialistic and selfish um, and, and massive polluters. The same people who hate America seem awfully anxious to bring the third world here, which um, you could say is contradictory, but in fact, I think this is, they've just come up with a new way to destroy America. So in this issue... The entire left is basically in the tank, as you describe in the book. Of those on the quote-unquote right, the Republican establishment, I believe, makes up the majority at the very least of the political class and a decent percentage of Republicans and probably even people who would call themselves conservatives as well. So who is on the American side in this besides, say, a Jeff Sessions? <laughs> of the elites? Very, very few. Um, it's pretty much, you know, three talk radio hosts, three bloggers. Um, um, when I force them to talk about it, Sean Hannity. Um, and, and, you know, the, our, our, our savior, Matt Drudge. If Matt Drudge ever goes on vacation, I'm telling you, they will push through amnesty in the dead of night, and the country will be finished. We won't have to wait for 15 more years of legal immigration. It'll be, it'll be done overnight, and, and get used to living in Brazil with the 10% very, very wealthy uh, and lots of servants and 90% living in abject poverty. Um, the one advantage Americans have in this are, is Americans. They're the ones who are on the other side. You have, you have the rich for mass immigration of, of peasant cultures. You have Democrats for mass immigration of peasant cultures. You have Republicans who want the campaign cash for mass immigration of peasant cultures. You have the greedy fake churches who want the taxpayer money to, to, to bring in you know, refugees who are blind, have leprosy, and, and 17 kids. Oh, the churches love that. They get a lot of taxpayer money. Um, the only people on the other side are the American people, which is why... In the last 10 years, both Republicans and Democrats have conspired to try to pass an amnesty three times, three times. And all three times, there wasn't, you know, some large um, media opposition to it. Oh, no, it was the American people who called in and shut down that effort three times now. But what happens if Matt Drudge ever goes on vacation? What happens? What happens if, if the three bloggers are busy that day? It's terrifying. It's exactly what President Bush used to say about the terrorists. We have to be perfect every time. They only have to win once. And, and in spite of the fact that a full-on amnesty has not yet been declared, in some respects you have a de facto amnesty, and in some cases probably de jour amnesty. And I guess my question is, and I've talked with Mark Stein about this before, because he and I have a similarly pessimistic view of things. <laughs> if, as you describe, the Americans, in effect, are a shrinking percentage of our country and demographics indicate declining birth rates relative to other immigrant populations that have come in, you say that you don't think all hope is lost, that this fight isn't over. But over time, aren't we going to lose? I mean, how do you see us winning and sort of reaffirming our founding principles and having a rational immigration policy. 
Well, I do think we can win. I do think there's hope, but I mean, I suppose you might say it's a long shot. That's why I wrote this book. I want to wake the American people up because drastic action needs to be taken. We need an absolute immigration moratorium. Um, we had one in 1924. It went on for um, you know, 40 years, and it was the most prosperous period of, of, of American history. That was when blacks were making some real gains in this country, um, among other groups. Um, just a vast, huge, wealthy middle class. It was the best thing that ever happened to the country. We need that right now. We need it for a slightly different reason, or additional reason, I should say, um, and that is to shut down all these left-wing immigration groups. Um, it is, there's, there's, there's a, a concept in, in antitrust law of, of capture, the capture of an industry. So um, the government agency that is supposed to be regulating an industry um, puts its own people in, and suddenly yep. it's regulating itself. Well, that is what has happened to the entire immigration bureaucracy. It's all these left-wing loons who used to be fighting you know, with, with revolutionaries in the jungles of Peru, now they're here at home trying to bring the jungles here. Um, and they work for these um, left-wing, anti-American, pro-third-world immigration groups, and then they become immigration judges. Uh, and any law that gets passed, for example, saying that, that if you have been convicted of a crime in America and are not yet a citizen, you will be deported. Oh, no, but it wasn't. It was, it was a manslaughter case. It wasn't murder. And, and are we sure the drugs were entirely his? So we've got to shut all those organizations down. Every immigration category is a fraud. Um, it would be nice to actually have a merit-based immigration system, but first we need we need a pause. We need a 10-year moratorium. We can assimilate the ones already here. Um, we definitely need a fence on the border, and we need to end the insanity of, of anchor babies with illegals running across, dropping a baby, or flying in from China, staying in nice hotels, um, having a baby so that they get, get American citizenship. And until we have a fence on the border and have ended the anchor baby policy, there's absolutely no point in talking about what to do with the illegals already here. But I, I mean, I alone, no politician suggests this. Um, I think Mitt Romney is probably right. When the jobs dry up, they'll go home the same way they came, um, which I suppose is the most humane way to do it. But I don't really have a problem with this rounding them up. Um, though, again, no politician says that. Um, but when I look at the cost of court translators alone, I, 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 rounding them up is a bargain. And when you realize that there are not 11 million illegal aliens here, um, as we have been insistently and angrily told for at least a decade now, there are at least, at a bare minimum, 30 million illegal aliens here. Once they all go home, once we start the assimilation process of the ones who are here, we have the fence, no more anchor babies. Um, no, actually, Christian America is doing, and uh, religious America, I should say, um, the same thing is true of Orthodox Jews, although that's a very small, and conservative Jews, a very small percentage of the population. Um, religious America is, is, is reproducing well above replacement rate. It's liberals who are, who are aborting and going gay um, in anyone with a flair for color. Um, so, no, I think, I think we will have a leg up in the demographic war. That's what, what the left was facing, that they weren't reproducing enough, so they had to bring in the ringers from the third world to vote for them. So to be clear, because you know that your your uh, opponents will key in on this when you do get into a debate with some of the more intellectually honest ones, you you are you argue strongly to put up a fence. You argue for 
taking down groups that are working to subvert us in effect, although they would never describe their activities as such. I assume That's that also... That's the moratorium would accomplish that. Yeah. Shut uh, it all down. Shut it all down. I assume also stop the abuse of prosecutorial discretion where you choose not to take on cases that you should be taking on. But then you said assimilate, but also round up of existing people that are here who weren't felons, illegals that are here. So in that instance, do do you mean that illegals should all be rounded up or that they should assimilate? Well, no, illegals should go home. I mean, I'm with, uh, I like Mitt Romney's very gentle solution of saying we enforce E-Verify when they don't have the jobs, they go home. They leave. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the, the most respectable, simple solution. Um, of course it will work. But um, what I'm saying is, even though I've, I've made fun of this, because the, the immigration polls, it's always, um, you know, on one side, illegals would have to jump through all these hoops and take English lessons and citizenship classes and pay all kinds of taxes and fines. Oh, we're going to make so much money on this. Okay, all of that is a fantasy. None of that will ever happen. They've tried it before, and it never did. Um, the fees get waived. The tax, no, to the contrary, they, they start collecting money under the earned income tax credit. The English language, that, that, that's been waived long ago um, by the nuts running our immig- immigration bureaucracy. Um, and then on the other side, it's always, or do you want grandmothers and children grounded, rounded up at gunpoint, put on rickety buses, um, locked into shackles and taken home? And I always pointed out, one side, complete fantasy. The other side is also a complete fantasy. There is no piece of legislation. There is no bill. There is no politician in the country who has called for rounding them all up. So, okay, having said that, move that aside. There is no such thing. I'm just a writer. I am not an elected official. When I look at the costs of illegal immigration, I think it would be a bargain if we start, if we start rounding them up, to use their lingo. So you mentioned Mitt Romney, and you've you've supported his you know quote unquote self deportation position. Whether or not if he was actually president, he would back that. I have my own misgivings. I don't know how you feel about it, but I view him I as part. I think he would. And my argument is, if you've read the last chapter, I mean, I make the points very quickly because I want to appeal to the Twitter generation. So I try to keep everything short, sweet, and funny. But uh, look, Mitt Romney was harangued and browbeaten throughout the campaign. Over, over his tough stance on immigration, which is the toughest of any Republican who has been the Republican nominee in my lifetime. Um, and a few weeks before the election, he had a meeting with Rupert Murdoch, with Murdoch demanding that he change on immigration. He never changed. He never changed, and when he was governor of Massachusetts, he governed like Jan Brewer. Um, so, so I think his bona fides are better than anybody else's out there of all the other Republican candidates. Um, on immigration, which, of course, decides every other issue. So if you choose to, to argue with me that immigration isn't the most important issue, it's gun control. I'm telling you, we lose on guns if we lose on immigration. If you think abortion is the most important issue, we lose on abortion if we lose on immigration. We lose everything. There is nothing more important than who lives here and who votes and who is our fellow American. Um, and on the basis of that, Every single Republican candidate running right now is, an, is a complete abomination other than Walker, who has recently changed his position. But he sure doesn't have the bona fides on the issue that Mitt Romney does. So to summarize, we're screwed even with a Republican president in 2016. 
No, I think I think I think Romney is going to get back in. That's what I'm hoping my book will do. Republicans will wake up and realize, oh my gosh, Romney was the best we ever had. Why were these nuts pretending to be true blue conservatives by pushing Newt Gingrich, who wanted to grant illegals amnesty? So you're okay with the architect of Obamacare, in effect, being the president because you believe this issue trumps every other issue? Well, I don't think what you said is true, but the answer would have been yes. Um, there's a huge difference in a state doing something and the federal government doing something. It was, I mean, uh, his, uh, um, Romney's solution to the rules a state governor has to live under were considered the libertarian solution at the time. Um, but I don't know if people want, I mean, you don't have, states can't have their own, their own armies and marines. They have, they have a certain set of hands. They've been dealt by the federal government. And one of those is the federal government requires that a hospital treat anyone who shows up, what is it, within like 500 feet of their door. Um, that being the case, um, his solution for the state of Massachusetts, it was hailed in, in Reason magazine by libertarians as the most libertarian solution. Um, federal government, you would want a very different solution, i.e. repeal a bunch of those laws governors are, are living under. But even if it were the case <laughs> that he had been the, the architect uh, of Obamacare, which again he was not, Yes, all that matters is who votes here. The one thing, when you look back at the dark periods in American history, and I've gone through this myself when things look bad. Um, I mean, obviously, I've, I've written a lot about the 50s, for example, with Joe McCarthy and, and you know, Alger Hiss and Whitaker Chambers. And gosh, things must have looked awfully dark at different times in American history. But America has always come back, and I've tried to cheer myself with that thought. But I can't do it if it's not Americans voting. And that's what Democrats have done. It's not Americans voting anymore. Ronald Reagan would look at this country and say, who are you guys? And you dedicate this book also to M. Stanton Evans, and he would probably feel the same way, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, I talked to him a few weeks. I mean, I talked to him a little bit when I was writing this book, and he kept telling me it's the most important issue. You've got to keep doing this, got to keep doing this. It was great. Two weeks before he passed away, I didn't realize he was so so close to the end, so I knew he sounded bad, but sometimes you sound bad after getting some chemotherapy. Um, in any event, I told him that, that I'd finished the book, I was going to send him a copy, told him what it was about, and, and he said, this is fantastic, you're doing the right thing, keep going. And, and you should. The, the name of the book is Adios America, the left's plan to turn our country into a third world hellhole. And we've been speaking with Ann Coulter. Ann, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Great to talk to you. For more on this and other books, you can visit The Blaze Books at www.theblaze.com slash books and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theblazebooks and Twitter at theblazebooks. You can follow me on Twitter at bhweingarten.